Did you know there's a difference between caregiving for your children and having a relationship with them? Did you know that you don't need to feel guilty about not liking or wanting to do all of the caregiving for your kids and that it is completely separate from your relationship with them? Today, we're going to set you free. We're going to open your mind. I am so excited to bring to you this guest, Hannah Olson, who is Freckled Han on Instagram, who is known for her rants in the Instagram reels section. Um, she tells it to you straight and she has some serious clarity on this issue of thinking we need to do it all, be it all, and actually how that gets in between our relationship with us and our kids. I hope this episode sets you free. It set me free when I found her and her message, and I can't wait to bring it to you. So without further ado, here's the interview with me and Hannah. Let's go. Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out to find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three and a certified life coach, Lizzie Langston. And I'm here with a special guest, Hannah Olson. I'm going to introduce her. I just want you guys to know before we dive in today with Hannah and this conversation, this amazing conversation we're going to have. If you have ever struggled with feeling like your motherhood doesn't feel quite right for you, if you've had mental health issues, if you just aren't happy, and whether that's because you're still on maternity leave and you really miss your job, or whether you gave up a job to have kids, or or if you're just full-time stay-at-home momming it and and it's just not jiving, um, we're here for you. This, Listen, what I love about this conversation already, because Hannah and I have been talking for a few minutes, is that we've both lived what we're going to be talking about. And so you're going to get both our lived experience as well as kind of the golden nuggets of the things we've taken away. Hannah, Hannah, hi, say hi. Introduce yourself today. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited for our conversation because... Like you said, we've already been chatting a little bit, and I already know that we're going to have a really fun conversation. I know. Me too. So I kind of um, – I didn't stalk Hannah, but I did definitely, like, drop into her DMs a couple of times. <laughs> I was like, listen, I need you to come on my podcast. So I can't wait to share her with you. But how many babies do you have? Isn't it, like, six or five? I have five. five. And then I had a miscarriage earlier this year. So technically so. six. We're going to count our baby. Technically yes, six. our heaven baby. Okay. Yeah, but you, yeah, so five babies on earth, and yes. they're all like pretty youngish. What are their ages? Yeah, so they're all 18 months apart. My yeah. oldest right now is seven, and my youngest right now is one. And I don't, I do not mean to define you by your children. I just wanted to lead with that because I just think it's really impressive that you, um, preach about what you preach about, given the fact that you have so many kids, you know, like the fact that you have found the oxygen and the purpose and the passion is really inspiring to me. And I, I had a similar journey. And so what I'd love is if I just want to kind of give you the mic for a minute and have you share with everybody who you are and yeah, a little bit about that journey and what your message is. And I can't wait for y'all to hear it. And then we're going to discuss um, from there. So take it over, Hannah. We're so glad to have you. Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast. Thank you. 
Yeah. So my story kind of started when I found out I was pregnant with my first baby. I had always expected that I would become a mom at some point, that I'd have kids. That was always in my plan. But once I found myself pregnant, it was a little bit sooner in the timeline than I had imagined for myself. And instantly I was filled with dread. (laughs) I saw that pregnancy test, you know, those two little pink lines. And it literally to me looked like the start of a tiny little pink box that I now needed to fit myself into, um, which was this box of motherhood. And Mm -hmm. in my mind at the time, there really wasn't anything else that fit in that box with me as far as like my goals or my dreams or anything that was really for me didn't have space in there. It was just my children. Everything was supposed to revolve around my children. Yes. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yes. And everything that I had just kind of been taught both explicitly taught and also just what I had been picked up from where I lived and how I lived and all that kind of thing that was like, okay, once you have children, they are your life now. And there's really not space to have a life outside of them. Well, I went through kind of a grieving process for a little during that pregnancy of this is my reality now. And I am not excited about this, but what can I do? Right. Like like there's no other option at this point and Mm -hmm. it was going to happen eventually. So might as well get it done with now kind of was the attitude. Mm -hmm. And I, unfortunately, the more people that I talked to during that time really fed into this story that I had about what motherhood was going to be for me. And just this idea of like motherhood is hard. I just had that ground into my head repeatedly during that pregnancy and just all of the aspects that were going to be so hard and how my life and my identity and my interest and everything about me was going to change once this baby was born. Mm -hmm. And so I was just gearing up for that and just It's like, okay, this is, this is what it is. So fast forward, my daughter's born. And it was really interesting because once she was born, first of all, it was like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of hard things that I'm doing, but this isn't actually the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And what a, what a concept. I still feel like me. (laughs) I don't feel like this foreign, you know, person took over all of my wants and dreams and desires. Like they're still there. They're yeah. Maybe they're changed a little bit because of this new person that is in my life, but like, I didn't just go away. Like I'm still here, but how do I balance that with this idea of motherhood that I've helped for so long? Right. Mm -hmm. So immediately after she was born, I was set on this journey, if you will, of figuring out what is motherhood? Because I heard motherhood talked about all the time. And Mm -hmm. in my mind at the time, motherhood was literally anything, any task, anything that has to do with a child is motherhood. Mm Pregnancy, pregnancy, nursing, child labor, changing diapers, making lunch, going to the carpool, you know, literally everything was motherhood. And I really started examining that and being like, okay, but hold on a second. Like, I mean, I had a baby at the time, but I'm just thinking like, if someone else changed her diaper, that wouldn't make them her mom. If someone else drove her to preschool, that wouldn't make them her mom. So what is it exactly that's making me her mom? And it really... Was this soul searching question for me? Yeah. And um, I just kept like trying to frame it in different ways and having different ideas. And meanwhile, I would kept having kids because I think maybe deep down, it was this idea of like, well, I know I'm supposed to have a lot of kids. Slash, I did. I wanted a lot of kids too. It wasn't like taking myself fully out of the equation, but it was like, if I'm going to have a lot of kids and I have to live for only them for the years that they're in the home. Let's get this done as fast as possible so I can go back living for me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I had a similar, we'll talk about that. Keep going. 
long story short, I went into the mountains. I started journaling and I kind of poured out my heart to God and was just kind of like, what is going on? Like, I am giving everything for these children. I'm doing exactly what you want me to do. I'm like being the highest, holiest version of myself in being there, everything. And I'm kind of miserable and I don't feel particularly connected with them. And I don't feel particularly happy. What gives? Because I'm doing everything right, you know? (laughs) Yes. And it was this very humbling moment where God literally spoke to me and said, Hannah, motherhood is a relationship. You need to start treating it like a relationship. And I was mind blown Mm -hmm. because I had been equating all of the tasks with motherhood. And that was kind of my metric for success. It was like, are my kids fed? Are my kids getting a bath? Are my kids eating a well-balanced dinner? Is my laundry done? Like those were the types of things that I was so consumed with that I wasn't even in an emotionally healthy, like I didn't really care about where my emotional state was at because that was irrelevant Mm -hmm. to my job description, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The way you knew it at the time. Yes. But once I made that flip of like, oh, okay, I understand how relationships work. Like I understand that in order to be in a healthy relationship, I need to be in a healthy emotional place. Mm -hmm. So what do I need to do to be able to get there? Because that is what's going to be the most beneficial thing for my kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so basically what God told me was like, we're going to expand this box so that all the parts of you are in it, all of your passions, all of your dreams, all of your goals, everything. So that it doesn't feel like a box anymore. It's going to feel like a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I dang, dang, dang love that. I haven't heard that story. I feel lucky I just got to hear that. <laughs> so oh, happy. I see so many parallels. So to put it in words, you have, there's the relationship of motherhood and then there's the caregiving that we do. Yeah. Um, so what I love, what I think you do so well on Instagram is you tease out how it's a relationship, what parts of motherhood are a relationship and which ones are not. And I would love to go into that because ultimately I think what the model we're trying to get away from is this idea that the quantity of time and the amount of the caregiving and all the things that we do is equal to the quality of the relationship. And what I found, and it sounds like what you found is actually kind of was the opposite Some women love the caregiving and then some women don't. But when we think that motherhood has to be all that caregiving, you know, the caregiving equals the relationship, the caregiving equals love, the caregiving equals our motherhood, our precious, you know, sacred motherhood, then we, we really feel so much guilt and we feel so frozen in our ability to let ourself come into this thing we're doing. And that's when I think the real problems start. So Take it away. Tell me, tell me the things, take it from there. Totally. I think the irony is that you can get so focused on the tasks that you might not actually be building a relationship, which is where I was in 2020. Mm -hmm. I was so, I mean, 2020 was just a wild year. We all know that. It was so (laughs) wild. It was absolutely unprecedented. That's the word everyone likes to use. Right. (laughs) And so it was, it was a weird time, but because that was just kind of where my mind was like, okay, the task, the task, the task. It was like, oh, I am literally spending 24 seven with my children and the relationship that I'm building with them is the weakest it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so interesting? Like we think that just because we're spending time with them, 
it's building relationship. And that's not necessarily true because I can be absorbing all of my time into the tasks. Now, I want to be clear on this too, because it's like, I'm not saying that when you're with your kids, you need to be giving them all of your undivided attention either, right? Mm-hmm. Anything in the extreme, <laughs> it's just not going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. But here's an analogy. Maybe this will kind of paint a picture for you. If you're going to build a house, you're going to use lots of different tools to build the house, mm-hmm. the hammer and the saw and like whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Those things are helpful and they're going to help you build a house. But those tools are not the house. Mm-hmm. And you can switch out the tools. You're going to have one tool for a little bit and then you're not going to need that tool and you're going to come up with a different tool. And there's literally a thousand different ways to build a house. Like, are you building a house with brick? Because you're going to need different tools than if you're building a house with wood, right? Mm-hmm. So when we equate that with the relationship, we can use the tasks as tools to build the relationship. But that is not the only way to build a relationship. And one way that makes this really easy to see is comparing the relationship of fatherhood with the relationship of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Most men are not doing very many of the tasks, at least when you equate it with their counterpart who is potentially a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. right? A dad that is working full-time outside of the home is not going to be doing the same number of tasks as a mom who is a full-time caregiver within the home. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that the mom automatically has a stronger relationship? No, it depends on the situation, right? Mm -hmm. At that time for me, a thousand percent, my husband had a stronger relationship with our kids than I did. That's so, it it makes me want to be like, not because it's disgusting, but because it's like, that's how tricked we get mentally, right? Like that's how how backwards we get it in our heads as women. And it's very much a woman thing. It's fascinating. It is. And it's so interesting because it's like as much as there are so many layers of things I think that contribute to this mentality. One thing that I think is super interesting is maternal gatekeeping. Basically, maternal gatekeeping is like women gatekeeping any of the caregiving tasks for the children because it's like I'm the mom and like I have this figured oh, out and so oh, I'm yes. going to take oh, over. I'm dancing. My my body's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I never knew that term, but this is, this is a thing. And it makes husbands less willing to take on tasks that are related to the kids because they're likely going to get like corrected or looked down on. Hell or yes. That. I did that. I did that with, after our first baby, I did it a little less, less after our second. When we throw ourselves too deeply and we kind of self-abandon into our motherhood, I think one of the only ways we protect our value is by saying, this is my thing. So I'm just wondering if one of the reasons we we do the maternal gatekeeping is because if we don't have total dominion over this thing, then what is our purpose? Yeah. We're scared yeah. to ask that question. The reason we don't ask it is because we're afraid that doing something outside of the home or something for ourselves would take away from the relationship yeah. with our kids. Um, but it's not necessarily true. And it's sometimes it's actually the opposite. When a woman finds a sense of purpose and a sense of um, untouchable value within herself, maybe that comes through getting a job or starting a business or a side hustle or whatever it might be, volunteering, I don't care. She um, she comes alive again. And that's what I experienced. My mental health started improving. I started healing after literally medication didn't work. Therapy hadn't worked, you know, and even some coaching at sometimes hadn't worked. I really just needed to feel my sense of value as a human with or without kids, with or without being full-time stay-at-home mom and reclaiming like my identity in the midst of motherhood. Absolutely. And that's one of the problems of equating the tasks with motherhood, I think, because one thing that we're taught is that 
motherhood is going to be so fulfilling. And so we're looking for fulfillment in this. And I'm, and some women are fulfilled through caregiving, which is totally great. And, and yeah, yeah they're, the, they're like the women that are happy to take other people's kids too and do like a daycare while they're at it. And <laughs> yeah. I, I have people I know like that. And I'm like, you're amazing. Like I would, I would suffocate deeply in that situation, but some women thrive there. I totally agree with you. Right. But the problem is when we're equating the relationship and the job, right? Those, the relationship is motherhood. Caregiving is the job. Mm-hmm. And then we're expecting motherhood to fulfill us. Now we're placing our fulfillment in the hands of a eight month old, in the hands of a three year old. And when we think about it as a relationship, we realize that that's a little bit scary because yeah. if you place all of your fulfillment on your husband, or on your best friend or on your sister, you would realize, oh, that's a red flag for relationships. That's not going to be a healthy relationship if I am placing all of that on another person. Mm-hmm. But yet we get that so confused that we expect that from these tiny, tiny humans that are just figuring out what it means to live in a world, right? Mm-hmm. And then it really sets us up for this failure, I think, in a lot of ways, because then we're like, what the heck? Disillusionment. So fulfilled Disillusion. Yes, yes, And yes. I don't. What is wrong with me? I wasn't cut out to be a mom. I'm a bad mom. I'm like, we start telling ourselves all of these stories when it's just like, whoa, she loves this job of caregiving. I don't love this job of caregiving. Lots of people have a try a job and then they don't like it and they can move on and they don't have to bash themselves with all this guilt and torment. Oh my gosh. Yes. Let's talk about that. I love this word caregiving. I love how you conceptualize it as a job. And I just want everybody to take that in for a minute, like with a few breaths, I want you to, even if you need to pause it and digest it, because I've told a couple clients about this and we've all talked about how it takes a couple days, maybe sometimes even for you to really be like, wait a second. All these tasks I've been telling myself and feeling like I needed to do um, and that I struggled to want to do or to even enjoy doing, but I was so committed to doing them because I thought that they were demonstrating love for my children, which maybe in some moments and in some ways they can be and they are, but um, they don't like define your relationship with your kids, but we've kind of been, some of us either raised to think that or for whatever reason, that's how we think about it. When you realize that that's separate, you could literally look at it as like, okay, some women like the job of caregiving and the relationship of motherhood. Those go well together and some women don't. What would you be doing if if you didn't think that caregiving your children had to be your job? And if you trusted that allowing yourself to delegate the caregiving and allowing yourself to do something you truly loved would actually benefit the relationship with your kids, then what would you do? It's such a freeing, but also like scary for some parts of ourselves, maybe question to ask. (laughs) I've seen a reel going around on Instagram lately about this question posed. I think it was like in a podcast or something, but the guy is basically asking other men, if your wife was bringing home $500,000 a year, would you be a stay at home dad? How do you think most men answer that question? Probably hell no. Most of them say no, because most of them don't expect to like caregiving. Yeah. But as women, we feel like something is wrong with us if we don't like caregiving. But that's just like, do you think something, any other job, there are people that love that job. There are people that don't love that job. Not everyone was meant to be an accountant. 
Yeah. Just like not everyone was meant to be a stay-at-home mom and a caregiver of their children. That does not mean that they don't have the capacity to hold a very well-connected, healthy relationship with their kids. Yeah. It simply means that that job description is not one that is a good fit for them. Yeah. I hope this is breaking your brains, guys, because it definitely broke mine. And I've been doing this work for like four years <laughs> and like deconditioning myself around motherhood. And I still, when I heard her be like motherhood versus caregiving, I was like, brain blast emoji, like bomb went off. It was so good. So can you tell us a little bit about where you're at now in your motherhood? I understand you have a nanny over today, kind of things like that. Like, how are you doing it just for funsies? Let's share what's working for us on the other side of examining this thing for ourselves. Yeah. It kind of goes back to my story of the day in the woods, right? <laughs> in the mountains. I love it. Um, I basically came home from that feeling like, okay, if I'm going to start thinking about motherhood, like it's a relationship, yeah. I need to get myself in a place where I am available for that relationship. Ooh. What do I want to do to be able to be available for that relationship? Wait, you mean like emotionally available? Yes. Okay. Cause you available. were very time wise and physically time, present. Exactly. But yes. you were not emotionally. Okay. Hold on. This is good because your, your physical availability and your like physical proximity and your time availability was hyperextended. You were super available, yep. technically speaking, but that's yep. not, that's not the same as the emotional availability that the relationship requires. And so exactly. every, I want everybody to ask themselves before you continue real quick. I'm like, everybody think how, oh, how available emotionally have I been lately to my kids? Like just look at the last two weeks, let's say, or this month, how emotionally available signs, you know, you're not emotionally available is if you are feeling resentment, you're feeling irritable, you're bugged, you are annoyed, right? losing temper easily. And I'm not saying that you're bad. If you felt these ways, I'm saying them because I have felt them. And I see Hannah over there nodding her head. I'm like, she probably has to. So that's, that's your sign that, um, that there is emotional unavailability within yourself, which means that there might be some needed changes both internally and in your circumstance of how you're doing your motherhood in order to become more emotionally available so that you can improve the relationship with your kids. But go ahead. I want to hear how it went after that. I'm going to take a quick aside before I go that one phrase that I see all the time that first, like I'm glad that it's getting acknowledged, but I hate what it's called. And that is this phrase of mom rage, right? mom rage. I know okay. we kind of like normalize like, Oh yeah, it's just part of motherhood. Like mom rage. Like, no, 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 no. In my opinion, when we are having these like outbursts of anger, that is a very clear sign that we are missing a personal need that is not being met, likely because we are expecting ourselves to be a caregiver 24-7. And how can you take care of your own needs when you have that expectation that that is what you are supposed to be doing all the time? Yeah. So I, whenever I like lose it with my kids or I like snap at them or something, it's always an invitation for me to be like, oh. I'm like, what's going on right now? Like in my, do I need to go get some water or food or do I need to go take a rest? Like why, why did that happen? Because clearly that's a sign that something is going on inside of me needs to be addressed. I love that. Okay. Going back to, I came home and it was really this like introspective time of me to think what would my life look like if I actually looked forward to every day, if Ooh, I was in question. a place where I was excited and happy and I'm obviously not a hundred percent of the time. It's normal to go through all the emotions, right? Mm -hmm. But to just have a life that I'm excited about, because right now I'm not really excited about my life. In fact, and it's it was, draining the life out of me. That's how mine was. Yeah, <laughs> totally. 
And so I kind of revisited, like, what are some things I've been excited about in the past? And I like to create. I personally think that being creative is like part of our spiritual DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized I didn't really have any outlets for creativity at that time. And so I decided I wanted to reopen my photography business. I'd had a photography business when I was like pregnant with my first baby and I'd kind of like had it on the side. But I was like, that sounds fun to me. That sounds like a creative outlet. I could maybe get paid, which that was part of my, like, I, I wanted to be able to have time dedicated to that. And so I wanted to hire a regular babysitter to start coming a couple hours a week so that I could have that time. And I want to say a word about this because I know that it's really hard for women, especially stay at home moms to feel like they deserve to pay for childcare because they're quote unquote, not making a paycheck, blah, blah, blah. This is the question that I want to pose. If your husband was working a job and he did not like that job, he came home every day, totally drained, grumpy, was complaining about the coworkers, all this stuff. And he had the opportunity to get his dream job. Like somebody approached him, they offer him this job. It's literally everything he's always wanted, Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit of a pay cut. Would you be willing to support him and your family in taking a little bit of a pay cut so that he can pursue his dream? A thousand percent. If you're asking me, (laughs) I'm like, my vote is a thousand percent. Yes. There might be some sort of threshold. Like you might be fine with it if it's going to be, you know, whatever that number is, right? Maybe if it's like, oh yeah, we can survive on a thousand dollars less a month or 500 or whatever. But maybe at some point you would be like, "Uh, we need to provide for our family. That's not going to work. Okay. Now apply that same logic. If you would support your husband in that, apply that to yourself. Mm -hmm. If being a stay-at-home mom right now, as it currently stands, is not your dream job. And all it would take was $300, $400 a month for your family to be able to make that your dream job, you deserve that. Yes. And it is a family decision, just like it would be a family decision for your husband to pivot and take that other job. It is absolutely in your power to do the same thing. Mm. I, I love this so much. I think what I'm seeing is a needed, there's one ingredient here that has to happen for somebody to be willing to change their, like the way they're doing their motherhood, which is that you have to be able to separate your self-worth from the duties and role of motherhood. You have to know that regardless of how many hours of childcare you hire and how much you delegate out the caregiving in your motherhood, your worthiness remains the same. Your value remains the same. And your relationship with your kids is 100,000% still completely within your power. Yes. And if you are that grumpy, you know, if you come home from work, quote unquote, every day and you're feeling drained and grumpy and complaining about your coworkers, i.e. your children, (laughs) then think about how your relationship is going to improve once you are in your power of your quote unquote dream job or your dream life. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I really sat back and evaluated this, it was like, I do enjoy spending time with my kids during the day. Mm -hmm. I just don't enjoy spending all day, every day with my kids during Mm -hmm. the day. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, I want to have a babysitter come two days a week for five hours each of those days so that I can work on, at the time it was my photography business. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to find someone and that's kind of how we've gone from there. And it, it was hard to invest in myself, I guess you could say, but at the same time, 
I am so much happier. I wake up excited about my life. My relationship with my husband is better. My relationship with my kids is better. Like that you can't put a price on what that is going to do to your relationships. If you are struggling, getting the help that you need and the resources, even if you have to pay for them is so worth it. Yeah. I want to say you guys too, it's okay. If you feel guilty in the beginning, guilt is just telling you that you have, you still have some of that programming that your, your value and your worthiness is around taking care of your kids. So if you do get brave and you ask these tough questions that we're posing and you realize, and you talk with your partner and you're like, okay, I do think I want to hire someone a few hours a week or a lot. I think I want our kids in full-time daycare or, or I think whatever, 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 X, Y, Z, just know that the guilt, if it does come up, especially once you've done the outsourcing and somebody else has your kids, that's often when the guilt starts to creep in. I was just talking to a client about this the other day. Um, um, about the back and forth she's been feeling since placing her baby in daycare, even though she knows it's what she wants, like deep down, it's non-negotiable. There is still this flag of guilt that like eats away at her and almost makes her precious work time that she gets when her baby is in daycare really not very, it's hard for her to focus. Sometimes it's not enjoyable. It's not all the time, but just sometimes. Right. And so we've just been talking about this programming. I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that? Like, did that bother you at all when you were making your shifts? I think I had done enough work in my mindset at that point that it didn't bother me, but this is what I do like to say when we talk about like quote unquote mom guilt Yeah, is just continually reminding yourself that the relationship is bigger than this moment or this day or even this year, right? And find evidence of people who have strong relationships with your kids that aren't spending all day with them, i.e. your husband. (laughs) You know, like find these... Or grandma and grandpa. In the flesh, yeah. Yeah. Anybody that like just take note that relationships can be really, really strong even without that constant contact. And like my relationship with my husband... We are still very happily married, even though he goes to the office to work every day and I stay home. Like we have a great relationship and the same can be true for my kids as well. There's actually research that backs this up as well. There was a study done basically that was like, it was a a pretty well in-depth study about like what kids turn out the best. Is it the kids that are raised by a a stay-at-home mom, by like nannies, by date, like not raised by daycare. Actually, I have a thing about that. (laughs) The people that um, have which situation yeah. is the best? Yeah. And do you want to know what the answer is? I actually do. Yes. None of them. <laughs> the answer is what do I the know? one in which their mother is the happiest. <laughs> so literally it does not matter. What matters is if you are content with what you're doing, right? Like if you're happy in that situation, that's, what's going to be best for your kids. Oh, amen. That's I want to, so I said the word raised though, which actually triggered me because I actually don't like when people say that. What, the, <laughs> because, the, the daycare people are raising the kids? Yes. Like outsourcing this, this idea that if you hire help or if you have a nanny or if you have a babysitter, whatever daycare, that they are raising their kids. Because I, that was one thing that I did battle with a little bit um, because a family member made a comment to me. I had that. a family member make a comment. No, yeah. my family member, I won't disclose this family member, but it was a male and this family, yes. and it's not my so husband. Was mine. It wasn't my husband. And and this family member was like, I, I mentioned to this person that I, I have a nanny and because I have a nanny, I can work and I'm really happy working and it's been great. And the kids, you know, I was actually really positive about it all because it genuinely was all working really well and I was happy. And this was after both of my mental health crises. And this person was like, well, why even have kids if you're just going to, you're just going to have somebody else be with them throughout the day? 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. She's going to rant. Oh, I can tell she's going to rant. If you don't know this about Hannah, her podcast is called Rant-ish. Is that right? Yep. That's I right. can tell. I can tell when one's brewing because I've been watching your Instagram reels. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's so interesting that most of the times when I hear these comments, it is made by men, which yes. is like so ironic to me because mm-hmm. growing up, I'm just gonna, I'm going to ask you this question. Did you have a mother and father in the home? My dad worked full-time. Okay. And my mom, mom was a full-time stay-at-home mom. And when people ask you who raised you, what do you say? My parents. Like both of them. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that men raise their children even while working full-time outside of the home. But when women try to do it, well, a man says. Women, they're like, what? You're letting other people raise your children. Like, hold on a second. Because this... I, I acknowledge this to myself. I like, I would have thought that way for sure. Before I had kids, that 100% would have been my thinking. Right. And then after I had a couple kids, I had this epiphany that was like, hold on a second. My husband, Steven, I love him. He's amazing. He is raising our children just as much as I am. And he is gone every day from 8.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. <laughs> right? Yeah. He actually doesn't work on Fridays right now, which is amazing. That, but the other day is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it led to me to this question of like, okay, so what does it mean to raise a child? Spoiler. It's the relationship. It yeah. all comes back to the relationship. Yeah. And even when you have other people who are building relationships with your kids, it does not negate that relationship that you are building. Yeah. Unless you are absent in the relationship, like unless you are emotionally unavailable, right? then maybe it will. But for as long as you are emotionally available to be in that relationship, even if other people are spending more time with your kids, your relationship is going to be stronger because that is just by nature. That's just how it works. It is. I was just going to say, I think we overlook the biology. Children are programmed to attach to their parents by a lot, like it doesn't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even going to bring up adoption right now. I'm not going there. I'm just talking about the, you know, if you are the mom and you are the dad, they are programmed to, to want a relationship with you. And when they don't have one, that's when it hurts them. And sometimes I think we assume that by caregiving, we're giving them the relationship, but it's not necessarily so. And I think, yeah, we, we really want to move out of that model of thinking that time spent equals relationship, that time, time somehow gives the relationship. Um, because ultimately a relationship is created through the thoughts that we think about this other person. The thoughts that we think about our child create the feelings that we feel, create the actions that we will take to, to express those feelings, which creates memories. And, and there you have it. There's your relationship. Um, but I think we, 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 we kind of like get it all confuddled. And I, I did. This is, now this is okay. I want to talk meta for a minute, a minute, <laughs> a minute. We've talked about the word patriarchy together. And I want to just say that that word used to trigger me personally and that, um, it doesn't anymore. And I feel really proud to talk about this because here's what I want to say is that patriarchy has existed so long that we can't even see it. It's like the air we're swimming in. It's, it's as if, you know, today we look at the ocean and there it's blue. And let's say 10, 12, 14 generations from now, some like maybe like in four more generations, the ocean is actually green, not blue anymore. (laughs) Okay. Let's just pretend for simplicity here. And so then 
that's four generations from now. And then 10 generations later, so 14 generations from now, our kids, you ask them what color is the ocean, they're going to say green. They don't know that it was blue. Or they might know, well, it was blue and now it's green. Maybe if we do a good job at saying every generation says, no, did you know it used to be blue? But I think what has happened is the gender roles that we're currently living in, the way that we have been living them, have been so passed down and so unexamined for so long that we have forgotten what it used to be like or what it could be like. And I believe that it is women that are waking up and saying these things to each other that is dusting off these parts of the feminine psyche and the feminine identity that the world needs. My goodness, like you think your kids need you all the time. The world needs like, okay, here's what, here's what needs to be had is an awakened and alive woman. And if you, you caregiving is sucking the life out of you, just know it's not required. Just know that we're all doing that to ourselves and, and we have to be the ones to say enough. And I think that's why I wanted to have Hannah here on the podcast ultimately is because I love her passion for this topic. I think you and I, Hannah, both self-abandoned and disappeared in the realm of motherhood only to find out that number one, that wasn't necessary. And number two, it wasn't sustainable. And, um, number three, it was making us really corrupting the relationship with our kids and we both found our own ways out. I laugh to myself that we both have an analogy about a box and motherhood feeling like a box. And now we both want to tell the story and share it with other moms because we're all of us are slowly coming out of that patriarchal pro- programming that says men can do this and it's still fine. They're still raising their kids, but women need to do this. And if they're not, their values going down, we're going to criticize them. We're not going to praise them. When it's the crumbling yeah. of society, even, yeah. you know, even get that message too, which is like, woof. The what of society? Crumbling. The crumbling. Society will crumble if women are not like inside of the home full time, right? This oh, idea that like, yes. that it's on our shoulders to carry. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, again, that's the exchange with the system is like, do what, do what we say or do what we've told you is your role and you'll be safe. We won't criticize you. We'll give you support. We'll praise you. You'll have value here. Um, and I think that's what I was so scared of in, in my, even just immediate family and great, you know, my little micro world, my, my micro culture, I was afraid that, um, that I would be judged, that I'd be looked down upon for, um, making motherhood the way I needed to make it. But, but I, I promise you, if that's you, if you feel at all scared or frozen or paralyzed about that, just know that on the other side of it, it's so worth it because you get to know yourself again as a mother on a totally different level. Like you get to really reclaim and refine yourself and it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Yes. And it's so important for your relationships because you can't fully show up in your power to a relationship when you can't find yourself. Yeah. Amen. Anything else you want to say? I'm like, final thoughts. This was so good. Yeah, I've really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you for having me. Where can people find all of your rants? Tell them, tell them where they can find your ranting. (laughs) So my longest rants are on my podcast, like you mentioned, called Rant-ish. And Rant-ish. It's all one word, but that's what it's supposed (laughs) to be, like Rant-ish. Okay. Got it. Um, But also Instagram. For sure, Instagram, I'm freckled Han there. Those are my primary places that I hang out. And tell us about what you've got going this summer. Yes, I have a program starting in just a couple of weeks called Stress-Free Summer. And this program, it's a six-week program that's going to be done, hopefully before your kids get out of school. And basically, it's going to be six weeks of live calls where I will be teaching both practical tools as well as mindset tools that are going to help you 
reframe the way you're thinking about motherhood, redefine motherhood is what I call it. That's the name of my business, redefining motherhood Mm -hmm. and help you really get in a place where you can figure out how you're going to make this summer the most successful summer. Because being the caregiver of multiple children during the summer where they're not in school, they're not in preschool, you know, you don't have those built-in breaks like you do during the traditional year can be a little bit overwhelming and stressful for a lot of women. And so we're going to work on that and get all ready to go so that it doesn't have to be that way. I'm really excited about it. I can't even wait until you guys feel the difference, feel the weight lifted off you when you make these changes. And if you just know after listening to this episode, if you feel kind of called out, but you also feel a little paralyzed or nervous, then it sounds like Hannah's program could be really, really good for you. On the other hand, if you are extremely postpartum and feeling like you're still trying to find your normal again, that would be me. So come find me. So either of us can help you leave this podcast a review. You guys, if it's helping you so it can reach other people, go check out rant ish. Her brand new podcast, I think it's going to be really good. She's really good at ranting. I really like her rant. That's why I had her here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Hannah, for coming. We love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap, everybody. We will see you guys next week on the podcast. Remember, you can get my postpartum course for mental health stability, depression, anxiety, overwhelm, trauma, freeze responses, all the things. It's at lizzielangston.com forward slash course. So go grab that while it's there and we will talk to you next week.